Are you feeling stuck in unhealthy habits, toxic relationships, or low self-esteem? Do you crave a healthy relationship filled with inspiration, love, acceptance, and fun? You are tuned into the right place. The Laura Richer Show starts now. Join me, dating coach Laura Richer, as we share tools for using your dating breakdown for a relationship breakthrough. You might just be on the verge of attracting your soulmate. Attract the relationship you truly want and deserve. Now, join us for the show. Good morning and happy spring, everyone. Welcome to the Laura Richer Show, broadcasting here on Transformation Talk Radio. I am your host, Laura Richer, and I am joined today with my co-host, Andy Lucas. Hey, Andy. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I am so glad to have you. We have such a fun topic to talk about today. So just to tell you a little bit more about me, I am Laura Richer. I am a dating and relationship coach. I am the owner of Richer Healing in Seattle, Washington, and I am also the creator of the Richer Love Program. And Andy, tell us a little bit about you. I am the founder and owner of Hummingbird Marketing Services. We build websites, write content, digital advertising, social media, all of it. And I um, have loved working with Laura because I am, I've co-created the Sasterhood, which is the group support portion of the Richer Love Program. Yes. Yes. Which if you, if you haven't heard before, the Richer Love Program is a dating program to support women on their journey to finding the one. So Today, we're going to talk about, since it's spring, it was fitting, that we would talk about doing a little spring cleaning. Mm -hmm. And I have been obsessed with Marie Kondo. Do you know who that is, Andy? I have heard of her, and I've heard of her method. Yes, the KonMari method, which is the method of getting rid of everything that doesn't spark joy. So I was introduced to Marie a couple of years ago. One of my clients came in and she had all of these pictures of how immaculate her house was and all of her clothes were folded perfectly in their drawers and she had two small children. So this was no small feat that she had accomplished <laughs> right. this. And so that is when I was turned on to Marie Kondo. And then uh, Netflix has a special about her right now. So nice. in an effort to tidy up my own home, I've been watching her strategy <laughs> and it was interesting to me how her strategy is kind of the strategy I use in the Richer Love program to help people clean out their emotional closet, if you will, and get rid of the old mental and emotional clutter that are keeping them from moving forward in their dating lives in the way that is the most beneficial to them. And really how having a lot of clutter in your physical space is a metaphor for the clutter that's going on in your internal world. So I thought that that would be a really fun topic to talk about today, to do a little spring cleaning for your emotional life. Absolutely. And I... um, for me, uh, clutter has been a big part of my life, uh, most of my life, uh, up until the past year. So, um, well, and you had to move, so that really yes, brought your so that, clutter right in that, front of your face. <laughs> that absolutely really helped. So, I mean, the first um, to give you a little background, I am the daughter of a hoarder, and um, I mean, my I don't know why my father held on to stuff. I don't know if it was because he was the oldest of seven children and things were always taken from him. As soon as he got something, the kids, the other kids would take it. Um, but he really held on to a lot of stuff. And when he passed, you know, we we were kind of left with all of this stuff and really had no idea what to do with it and what his intention was in keeping it. And, um, 
you know, it was just, it's kind of overwhelming. And so over my life, I have really accumulated so much stuff and I have such a hard time getting rid of stuff. Um, and so about a year last January, it was, um, Zach, my partner, uh, encouraged me to start on my pantry because it was just kind of overwhelming and I just had all this stuff and we started getting rid of it. I had like 45 wine glasses. Like the, I don't even know if I know 45 people to have over to have wine at my house. So why I had <laughs> be all quite a party. Glasses, it would be. Um, but once we started going through the pantry and we, we divided it, divided it into three kind of manageable parts. It was the most freeing experience of my life to get rid of this stuff. And then it got to a point where, okay, I'm going to sell my house so that we could buy something together. And I had to clean out my house. And it was, it was fantastic to get rid of so much stuff, making uh, daily trips to Goodwill, getting rid of just stuff that I didn't need anymore. I wasn't using. I had never used. It was fantastic. And then once we moved into the new house, we have continued to kind of get rid of stuff. And it's been fantastic. So I feel free. I feel light. I know what I have. I know where everything is. And I'm actually using what I have, which is fantastic. So decluttering for me has been an amazing and fantastic process. It really changes the energy and really helps you create space in your life. Do you find, did you find the process difficult? Getting started was absolutely difficult and I felt afraid. Mm -hmm. And that is a question I had, like, why do you think it is so hard for people to let go? Because I, that I had, I was, I was faced with this fear of, and I don't even understand why I was afraid to let go 45 wine glasses. <laughs> well, you know, there's so much emotional attachment around stuff. And I think that this, I love talking about this um, as a metaphor for emotional things as well, because it's really all the same. So, you know, why do people hold on to negative stories from the past? Um, just like, why do people hold on to all of this clutter, all this stuff that they're no longer using? And I think it is scary to let it go because you don't know if you let it go, is it actually something that you need that you're going to miss later? Is yeah. somebody going to be disappointed? Did you let go of mom's, you know, prized teacups or something and that she's going to be disappointed in you if you didn't hold on to those things? Um, kind of what I think of that relates to that emotionally is like the stories that we tell about ourselves within our our family dynamics of, of who we are and what yes. our role is within the family. If we let that go, you know, who's going to be disappointed by that? Um, yeah. Or what is going to be the detriment to the relationships in my lives for doing that? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of reasons why it's difficult to let go. I also think it just seems sometimes so overwhelming. So maybe I had so much stuff in my closet that I just closed the door and I haven't opened it for like five years because yeah. I don't even know what's in there, but I'm afraid to look because if I yes. open it, all this stuff is going to come pouring out. Yeah. And I think that happens emotionally too. Like maybe I've had a really traumatic relationship or childhood or, you know, I just have decided to not look at a lot of things and just try to keep mo moving forward in my life. And so they start to accumulate. And now I'm kind of afraid of what's going on back there, but I don't, I haven't looked at it in so long. I don't even really know what it is. Yes. That is, that is something I am absolutely guilty of is kind of that avoidance. Mm -hmm. If I don't see it and I stuff it away, then it's not really there. But the thing is it is there and it's kind of nagging me way in the back of my, um, my right. brain. 
Yeah. Right. And influencing you in ways you might not even know. So as a hypnotherapist, yes. I am very curious in what about what's going on in our subconscious minds that's influencing us that we might be aware of, may not, may not be aware of. And that is sometimes what happens when we don't address the past and we just let it pile up and we don't clean it out, clean out that emotional closet and process things as they come <laughs> up, then all of a sudden we have all of this baggage that maybe we aren't even really aware of what it is anymore, but it's having right. a negative impact on our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Peter Walsh is also an organizer and a declutterer. And he says, clutter is not just the stuff on your floor. It's anything that stands between you and the life you want to be living. Yes, exactly. And that, yeah. And so that's why we care about cleaning out clutter. I mean, you could leave that closet full and just lock the door, but then you have this whole closet that you're not using that you could invite in the things that you really want. And that's the same with emotional clutter. If you're holding on to old stuff from the past, um, you're not, possibly, you're not inviting in the future that you truly want. So how, with the Kanmari method, and she's talking about clutter in our houses, how, how does that, how can we use that to declutter our emotional closets. So I love, because I've talked about this before um, on other shows, it's sometimes it's like, what? I need to let go of the past. How do you even go about doing that? <laughs> and so, I mean, it's just such a big concept. And so I, when I was, as I've been watching her and her method to clean out your stuff, I was thinking about how you could use these as action steps to really work through some of your emotional stuff. Yes. Um, so... The first thing that she talks about is commit yourself to the process of tidying up. So you have to be committed. In the beginning, like you said, it is hard work. It brings up all this fear. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it brought up fear for you? Well, there is that thought, well, what if I'm going to need it? And I remember Zach saying, and at that point we'd been dating for two years, and I he was like, I said, Well, what if what if we have a party and you know we have all these people? And he was like, we have not had a party. And if we do, we can get other glasses. And frankly, you have a lot of glasses in the front, in the kitchen that you have. So (laughs) there's no need to be holding on to all of this stuff. So it was that fear of I'm going to need this and now I'm not going to have it. The other thing I think for me was this, you also touched on this, like a lot of things that maybe had been given to me as gifts. I felt like I was um, ungrateful if I ended up getting rid of them, um, that I just didn't appreciate it. And that's really not true. Right. Right. I, it was just a couple of little things, but I was holding on to it and yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And it can't, it's really one thing I've always thought of, which is you brought up Peter Walsh and my mom is a very organized person. She has always got a box going to the Goodwill and she's the first to let you know that you need to put together a box to go to the Goodwill because <laughs> you have too much junk, yes. um, which I appreciate. I'm not as good as her, but I think that I have some of her tendencies to get rid of things. Um, however, the things that have been hard to get rid of are the things from the past that like we talked about emotional attachment. So she told me something that I've always thought about that Peter Walsh said, and I won't get the exact wording right, is that your attachment to your grandmother who you loved who passed away or a parent who passed away or or a, a relationship that you have in this present time isn't in this stuff you have. All of your memories are in your mind. And right. so you can access those at any time. You don't need to hold on to grandma's you know, old clothes 
right. have that. And yes. that was one thing I really, I actually had a lot of my grandmother's clothes after she passed away, um, which I wasn't going to wear. And, but I didn't right. want to get rid of them because they were hers. And yes. eventually I thought, you know, this is just sitting in a closet. Grandma is, I mean, actually, and I have a few special things of grandma's one or what that plate on my wall behind me. Oh yeah. Um, so that's a little piece that I take from her that really sparks joy. And I look at it and I think of her and my childhood and seeing that in my kitchen, but she is not in those clothes in my closet. So right. it's okay to let those, those things go. Yeah. Yeah. So the committing to tidying up is, um, Marie Kondo's method. Yes. What, how does that translate to this emotional decluttering and the richer love method? The richer love method is to commit. First, you have to be really committed to the process, knowing that it's going to bring up some hard emotions. Sometimes initially when we open that crazy closet and all that stuff comes flying out, it is a little bit uncomfortable. It yes. can be overwhelming because we don't know what to do with all this old emo- emotional stuff that we've been kind of carpet sweeping for yes. a while. So it's just important to commit to the process. And then when you find resistance, notice what your resistance is about. So if we relate this to emotional decluttering, sometimes people notice that they've been holding on to this clutter because it's been protecting them from rejection. And as soon as they start Ah. to let these things go, they're opening themselves up in a way that feels kind of scary. Yeah. Um, Another reason uh, that they may hold on to their clutter is it's just not the right time for a relationship. Maybe they haven't they really need to be doing this work before they can open up to being in a healthy, committed relationship. And that this uh, process is going to kind of force them to do that. So you have to have the commitment and the willingness to deal with the hard stuff to be able to move forward. Yeah. And you know, uh, you brought up that you're a hypnotherapist. And I remember um, the first time I was able to do hypnotherapy with you and I couldn't stop crying. And you said, oh, everybody cries the first time. Mm -hmm. Because you're like you said, kind of the floodgates are opening. I'm really, I was really tapping into it, yeah. into stuff I hadn't even, I didn't even know was there. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. That's the kind, that is the magic of hypnotherapy. And yeah. I don't want to scare anyone, but I would say 95% of the people that sit in my chair the first session do cry because, you know, what has brought them to the place where they're wanting to come see me is that they do need some kind of emotional release, that they, yes. they have become so bogged down with their mental and emotional clutter that it's becoming uncomfortable. Yeah. And the process of hypnos- hypnosis allows them to access those emotions that they've been stuffing down and release them. Uh-huh. So, well, if you're a person who does not like to cry or show emotion that's uncomfortable. Afterwards, most of my clients oh. report feeling so much better. I did. I felt buoyant. I just felt it. Yeah. It was so freeing, just like getting rid of all the stuff. It yes. was so freeing to, and I remember thinking afterwards, like, why was I even holding on? To, I didn't even know I was holding on to some of right. that stuff. Yeah. Because and it's sometimes so it's buried stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's important to be willing and committed, knowing that you're going to be uncomfortable a little bit, but the reward yeah. on the other side is definitely worth it. Absolutely. So that's the first part, like commit yourself to tidying up, commit okay. yourself to cleaning out your emotional closet, or if you're in the Richer Love program, commit to finding love, even though it's yes. scary sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So what is number two of the Kanmari method? So the other point she says is imagine your ideal lifestyle. So did you tap into this at all when you were moving and cleaning out your stuff and merging yes. two households and all that? 
fun yes. stuff? Because it was a struggle. Uh, the market had changed and we had put offers on several different houses that we didn't get and we weren't finding the right thing and my house wasn't selling and it was a lot of pressure. And so we both were visualizing um, what it would feel like. And for me, I felt us in our house, wherever that was, where we felt warm, the cats, the dog were there and we were cooking dinner together and having a glass of wine and just enjoying our house together. And that is what I kept visualizing. Yeah. And that really helped me get through it. So to create a result in any aspect of our lives, whether it's finding a relationship or letting go of the past or manifesting a certain amount of income or whatever you want, if you can't imagine that as a possibility, you really can't make it happen. So that is, I love that she says, imagine your ideal lifestyle. Like you have to be able to see what might be on the other side of this mess that you're trying to clean up. Yeah. So that is, you know, I use this very much, the law of attraction when I was single and dating. Um, In the beginning, I used it to focus on what I didn't want. And so I brought more of that into my life. I kept imagining all the bad things that could happen. Absolutely. And and there they were. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I also got to a place where I started to just really focus on my attention on what it would look like to be in my ideal relationship, what I would feel like, what that would feel like. And while I started focusing there and I didn't know who the person was going to be, I really, by the time I met him, I could imagine what it would be like to be in that relationship. And so I had to do that work first before I could actually get the results. So that is the power of the law of attraction and visualization is you have to be able to imagine what you want is possible. You know, I was just reading an article um, by Mark Manson and he's written, a, he's kind of famous for this no BS thought on living life. Um, and he had said that it was an article about the three things that we were never really taught. And one of one of them is how, one is to not think, take things so personally, like, we're never really taught that we take every, oh, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them was to be able to take action without knowing for sure what is happening on the other side. Yeah. And so not being able to visualize that could kind of uh, paralyze us to not take any risks, to not make any changes because we don't have anyone saying to us, this is the right move, changing careers, choosing this mate, buying this house. We don't have anyone saying, yes, this is, this is the right move. You're, you're doing the exact right thing that you're supposed to be doing. Right. So we're afraid to make changes because we don't have that for sure. That, yeah. yes, this is the I way I might get go. rid of that stuff and then I need it later. I'm yes. going to have that party with 85 people. I'm going to need all those <laughs> one glasses. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think so. that messes us up. In all, I mean, everyone has a fear around, you know, certain aspects of their life and that if you, we don't get any certainty, there is no, no certainty in life. And when you start to get caught up and I need to know what the outcome is going to be, then you're never going to get anywhere. Right. You have yes. to be able to learn how to embrace uncertainty and how to know just because something or how to kind of put things into perspective that just because something doesn't go the way you thought it was supposed to, doesn't mean it's going awry. Like there could be, it could be perfect, a perfect turn you needed to take that you didn't realize. Exactly. So that is definitely another tool and allowing yourself to just be in the uncertainty in the process. So imagine the lifestyle you want, maybe be open to the idea that you could get there in a different way than you are imagining, but just starting to move 
to move in that direction, making choices to move in that direction. I think in relationships, this is a conversation I have with clients all the time. And I, I'm very uh, sympathetic and compassionate towards this because I definitely had my moments with the feeling of like, oh my God, I cannot take any more of this. I can't go on another bad day. (laughs) I can't can't, do it. I can't do it. I'm too fragile. I'm going to break. Um, but saying like, I don't want to be disappointed. Well, unfortunately, to know whether it's going to work or not, you're going to have to get in there and then you Mm -hmm. might be disappointed. That's part of the risk, but you're always going to learn something in the process. I believe every disappointment is getting us closer to a result. It's really clear on what doesn't work and it helps us correct to go in the right direction. Um, So just because you don't know how to get there doesn't really matter. You just need to imagine the result you want to create. Exactly. And you'll get there. Yes. Yeah. So we're committing ourselves to the process. We're imagining our ideal lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What happens next? What's the next part of the method? So the next part of the process is to finish discarding first. So she says, before you arrange everything in the order that you want it to be in, first you need to get rid of all of the stuff that no longer serves you. Nice. Um, so when we think about that in terms of emotional decluttering, I think of let, doing your own inner work Uh, which could be therapy. It could be talking to your friend. It could be just journaling, whatever it is that helps you access your inner world um, to help you let go of the old stories that you're holding on to that you've maybe collected uh, throughout the years, the story of, of being, you know, bullied or the story of being dumped or the story of I'm not enough or the story of how I failed, like really go into some of those stories and ask yourself if they don't bring you joy, going to the KonMari method, (laughs) why are you holding on to those stories? Why are you telling them maybe to other people repeatedly? Um, Maybe it's something that you just keep replaying and ruminating in your mind over and over, uh, looking at maybe limiting beliefs that you have, regrets, you know, start to sift through all that old baggage and, and ask yourself, does this bring me joy? Sometimes it does. Sometimes people... I don't know if joy is the right word, but sometimes people get satisfaction in their negative stories. Maybe they, you know, feel that it defines them in some sort of way. Um, And maybe it does. I mean, I think everything that's happened to us defines us, but you want to take the lessons from it and not hold on to the emotional attachment. So if I went through a negative experience, like a divorce, you know, I want to take the lessons that I learned through that experience. Yeah. I feel like personally, my divorce taught me a lot about life and really helped me move my life in a direction that I was meant to go. Absolutely. But I don't feel an attachment to it. I don't feel upset or regret or disappointed when I think about it anymore. So while it is part of my story, mm-hmm. I cleaned that out of my closet a while ago that that isn't I'm not attached to that experience anymore. There's nothing that you could say to me that would trigger me emotionally about that right. experience. But you have let go of all of the things that you learned from it. Yes, I or, keep I'm all sorry, of you, the, the learnings. Yes. And I and I use them in my Ritual Love program for people because I got yes. a lot of good lessons out of that. <laughs> and just that didn't happen overnight. I mean, that no. took some time to kind of process your divorce. Like it takes time to get to get through yeah. all of that. Oh, and it does. And you do need to do that work to process things. And I'm not, I'm, I'm more of the person who's like, just toss out the baby out with the bathwater, like just get rid of everything. Oh, I got divorced. I'm moving on now. I'm not going to talk right. to you. I'm not focus there anymore. And that's not beneficial either. Cause that's just carpet sweeping. You're still having the same, um, yeah. you're going to have to deal with that stuff eventually. So I don't recommend doing that. But at the same time, you know, if you're holding on to an experience that happened 20 years ago, you know, right. 
you might need to really dig in and see what that is about. Because I promise you, if it's a negative experience, it's not helping you create Mm -hmm. anything positive in your life today. It's probably a story of being victimized. And while it's true that people find themselves in situations where they are victimized, it's a choice whether you remain a victim of that story your entire life or if you choose to move on from it. Yeah. So- and I, sh- I want to add that in the next segment, um, after we take a break, we are going to be talking about how to, your process for kind of doing all of this stuff and how yes. to, how to really process this. It's not, we're just not sending people to the, we'll go process it. Well, how, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going to be sharing that. I will give you yeah. some action tools. I think that that's very important. Uh, I work with clients often who are like, I just don't want to keep talking about this. It's like, tell me what to do. So I'm yes. a very action step oriented person. We'll give you some tips on how to start this process. Yeah. So uh, next in the Kanmari method, she says to tidy by category, not by location. What does that kind of mean? Well, in your house, she's saying, you know, fix address your issue with your clothes first, for example. So if you have clothes okay. in every room, she doesn't want you to just focus on the room. She wants you to focus ah. on the topic, the, the, the clothes or, you know, whatever the next category of stuff is. Okay. So I was thinking about this in terms of emotional decluttering. And I really like this idea because it kind of helps you take, kind of, it does help you take small and consistent steps to, to letting things go. So I like to address address the smallest problem first. So maybe something small is that you're having conflict in your current life with your coworkers or something. So maybe that's not a super triggering issue. Maybe we're going to start by working on resolving what's going on there. But then there's this big issue of childhood stuff. And so we might not start with the childhood stuff. We need to get there eventually. But we're going to tidy up what's going on in your work life first And then we will move on to the next topic. I think it becomes very overwhelming to think I have to resolve every category of every life issue in this one program or one session. So you can't possibly. Starting small. And I feel like when you take small steps, it does feel kind of rewarding. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I I just made that change or I just fixed this issue. Yes. I can make, I can fix another one. Yes. Instead of feeling like, oh my God, I have the whole world on my shoulders and I have to fix everything and snowballing with it. I fix this little thing. So look, I can fix another little thing. Exactly. Small steps start to build confidence. You start to see progress and results, and then it empowers you to move on to the bigger things, but you don't have to do it all in one day. And in fact, it's really not appropriate to do that. No, that I, I would be in tears all day. Yeah. <laughs> right. It'd just be too much. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that you've brought up that she, that is the Marie Kondo method is to ask yourself if it sparks joy. So yes. So let's talk yeah. about that when we come back, because I think that that is the key to why this is such a great method to use in any type of decluttering process. Okay. So before we take a break, let everyone know how they can get in touch with you, Laura, to talk more about this, to talk about richer love, to talk about hypnotherapy, all of it. How can they get in touch with you? So you can find me at what my website at richerhealing.com or richerlove.com or on Facebook or on Instagram, on both of those names. And you can sign up for a complimentary consultation to talk to me directly to see how I can help you declutter your emotional life. Fantastic. If they want to call to make an appointment, what would be the phone number? 
206-765-8265. And you can call Larry to make your complimentary consultation. And we'll we'll see you either in my office in Queen Anne, or we can do it over the phone. I can talk to anyone over the world in the world via Zoom or Skype. Fantastic. And you can always listen to archives of your radio show. You're in your second season now at lauraricherradio.com. That is so, correct. Yeah. So when we come back to the Laura Richer Show, we're going to delve into how you can clean out your emotional closet, those steps from the richer love method. So stay tuned right here on Transformation Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Are you new to playing with the law of attraction or a seasoned pro looking for an easy and organized way to monitor your co-creation endeavors as you draw them from the immaterial planes into your physical reality? Then join me over at goldenotter.us for bi-monthly new and full moon rituals where we plant seeds of intention, then harvest the fruits of our desires as part of a dynamic community in the members-only Lunar Manifestations Forum. I'm Autumn Seibel, host of Golden Otter Radio, where the metaphysical beats the mainstream, and I can't wait to meet you. What is holding you back from living the life you are meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living. Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com. Are you feeling stuck in unhealthy habits, toxic relationships, or low self-esteem? Do you crave a healthy relationship filled with inspiration? You might just be on the verge, on the verge of attracting your soulmate. Tune in each month to The Laura Richer Show, where dating coach Laura Richer share tools for using your dating breakdown for a relationship breakthrough. For more information, visit richerhealinghypnosis.com. The knowledge book currently studied in 39 countries and 15 languages around the world accelerates our evolution, takes us out of depression, offers universal truth, protects us, and makes us stronger, both spiritually and physically. So if you are interested in the knowledge book, visit usa.thenowledgebook.net and tune in to the Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasic on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Interested in deepening your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit www.esotericstudies.net. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Laura Richer Show on Transformation Talk Radio, and I am your host, Laura Richer, creator of the Richer Love Dating Program for women who find themselves single when they weren't expecting to be single. And I am here with my lovely co-host, Andy Lucas, Hello. the owner of Hummingbird Marketing Services. Hey, Andy. Hello. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. So today Spring we've been in the air. Spring is in the yeah. air, and that means that it is time for spring cleaning. Yes. So today we've been talking about uh, Marie Kondo's The KonMari Method for decluttering and organizing your house. Perfect time of year to get all of that old stuff out of your house and start the new the year fresh. It's a time of bringing in what you want for this year to come. So you want to get rid of all that old garbage. Um, 
but we are going to be talking about decluttering your emotional closet today. So we've kind of been going through Marie's steps throughout this program, as well as my steps for decluttering. Um, And the last one of Marie's steps that I think is the most important that I don't want to forget is, does it bring you joy? Does holding on to this clutter spark joy? So did you use that in your process, Andy, when you were letting go of the clutter in your house? Yes. Um, After I finally got started with it and I was, you know, full steam ahead, getting rid of stuff in the house, to move. When I was really torn with something like, am I really going to hold on to this? You know, I really thought about it. Do I feel happy when I see this? Am I going to put this out so I can regularly see it? If it does bring me happiness and joy, don't I want it to kind of showcase it? Like your plate, you have that up. You see that every time you go into your office and it makes you feel happy and like your grandmother is with you. So I kind of looked at that. Is this making me feel happy or do I just feel nothing about this. And if I felt nothing, then I gave myself permission to get rid of it. Good. Yes. Or even more so, if it causes you stress, give yourself permission to get rid of it. Yes. There were, for instance, there were a lot of books. So I had all these books uh, by authors that I felt that I I should be reading, like Mm -hmm. Kurt Vonnegut. I, I just felt like I should be reading. Why? I, it's just not my style. My sister loves his books, but mm. I, so I, I allowed myself to get rid of those because it was actually causing me stress of, oh my God, these books that I'm moving and I'm never going to read them. And what's wrong with me that I'm not reading these books? Okay. Yeah. Get rid of them. I don't, sorry. And if I want it, I can buy another copy or I can go to the library. Well, and that is such a good point of clutter for in your home and emotional clutter is the shoulds, right? So like before I do something, I should lose 20 pounds or I should have more money or I should be better at whatever. I should learn how to play the guitar. Whatever it is that you're putting on your should list, it is very good to go, is this something I'm ever going to do? Because if it's not, it's going to just be clutter that's going to bog you down and it's going to keep you from doing the things that you actually want to be doing. And make you feel bad. Yeah. Yes. I remember that episode of Sex in the City where she says, are we shooting ourselves to death? Yes. It's like, should I do this? Should I should be doing that. Based on what? Who's, who's giving me that directive? It's all my own thing. Like who is giving us that directive? Where does that come from that you should be doing this? Um, I think everywhere from media, from our culture, from our family cultures, just the the messages that we're, I mean, we're being marketed to all the time. There's the idea to show that we're lacking something so that we need to buy something to fix that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So all of that is just giving us subliminal messages to make us sometimes, and sometimes we take that stuff in. Sometimes I, you know, I don't think that I need what they're selling on the what is the channel where they sell like the, like the infomercial stuff? QVC? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, sometimes that just goes in and out of my mind. Oh, I see yes. that. I don't need that. But yes. sometimes there can be an image that, you know, you need to lose weight. So you need to buy these weight loss vitamins or something. And then you're yes. like, oh God, yes, I do need to lose weight. And then that becomes part of the clutter of keeping you, this belief that I need to lose weight keeps you from connecting with the people that you want to connect with. Or it's just clutter that's gotten into the way. It may or may not even be true at all. Yeah. So sparking joy, when we are cleaning out our emotional closets, are we asking ourselves the same question? Like, Mm -hmm. 
so how do, how do we do that? So start to think about, and I mentioned before the stories that we just, uh, and they're true stories. They're things that actually happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, what are we continually saying about what our experience is and what it means and what happened to us in our lives? So you know, I could continually tell the story of when I failed at something, and that could be very much part of the clutter that I'm holding on to that's keeping me from trying anything new because I failed in the past. Right. But does it bring me joy to tell that story of failure? You know, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds funny when you say it. But- right. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of, but people really, and I've done it too, and there's reasons why we do it. Um, but you want to ask yourself, do I want to continually tell the story? I always, women, I have a lot of stuff around body image or people probably do in general, but especially women that I work with. So it's like, you know, this story of my butt being too big, is it bringing me joy to tell this story? Or is it possible that my butt's just fine? And <laughs> it's okay to let that go and focus my attention somewhere else. Right. It, it sounds so simple, but yet it can be very difficult to look at these things. Well, because sometimes we don't know whether they're real or not. Like, just like you didn't know if maybe I really do need those wine glasses. Well, I can hear that objectively and go, yeah, you don't need those wine glasses. But if you have an attachment to that yes, and you're fearful that there's some truth in that belief, you're going to act accordingly. So if I'm fearful that in fact, you know, something is wrong with my body and no one will love me because because of it, I might be hesitant to let go of that belief because I might just spiral out of control and eat a whole chocolate cake for dinner or whatever, you know, sure. I'm a, what I'm trying to manage with that that belief system. Okay. So one thing, so limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs I would categorize are anything that don't help you in any sort of way or right. cause you to believe something negative about yourself. I don't really think there, can you think of a time when it's beneficial to believe something negative about yourself where it could be helpful in any way? Uh, I think. I mean, maybe if you're at, you know, when you go to a job interview and they ask you, what are your strengths and what are your, now they don't say weaknesses, but your areas of opportunity. So maybe that is (laughs) one way, like things that you want to improve, but on the whole, I really don't think that there's a time to believe that you are less than good enough and all of that. It just, I can't, I can't think of an example. And if there is one, if somebody has one, I'd love to hear it. But um, (laughs) I just don't know that believing something negative about yourself or your experience even is, is going to give you anything. And if it did, I would say, keep believing it. Um, So the first thing I have clients do is start to look at what what are the things, what are the limiting beliefs or the regrets or the stories from the past that do not bring you joy, but that you are holding on to and telling over and over again, whether it's just to yourself in your own mind, or if you're actually sharing these things with other people. You know, one thing I always thought was really funny in my life, but have moved away from quite a bit is when people have a really self-deprecating sense of humor. Yes. I, that, and that can be funny, but at especially if somebody who, who is invested in that really heavily, it's so negative. You're just telling this and you're getting a positive response from it. Cause maybe you make yeah, people laugh, absolutely. But, but it is just, it's damaging, you know, on mm-hmm. some level. And I'm trying to think, I feel like the people I have known in my life personally, who've had really self-deprecating senses of humor, not famous comedians, but like people I've known personally, um, weren't that successful in their lives. It was like no. the story they were telling that that drum that they kept beating over and over again was what they were creating. Yes. I was 
guilty as charged of doing that. Um, I would say like in a lot in my 20s, less so in my 30s. And I really try not to do it now. Once in a while, I can make a joke at my own expense, like how clumsy I am or whatever. Right. But really what's happening is that in making these this self-deprecating humor, I'm telling myself I suck, yeah. essentially, right? Like just, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm I'm the buffoon. I'm the oaf. Everybody laugh at me because I'm just not worth anything. Right. And those are enforcing those beliefs. <laughs> if, if they are your own beliefs on some level, you're just yeah. kind of reinforcing them. And it's not that we have to take ourselves so seriously or we can't make a right. joke about anything. Yes. Um, but at the same time, because life is funny, we want to laugh at yes. things. But at the same time, if it's just really harsh, it's a really negative story of who you are, you're probably creating some of that in your life. So yeah. Looking First of all, I ask my clients to look at what the beliefs are that are limited. I'm really bad with money. I always attract unavailable people. I'm not good enough for whatever. Just really getting into that. And sometimes we don't, like we said, we've closed the door on that closet. So it takes a little bit of digging in to find that information. Because in the beginning, for example, when I'm working with women doing dating coaching, Mm -hmm. and they keep dating people that are disrespectful to them. Yeah. I know on some level that that resonates with them. I know that there's something inside of them that allows them to accept that kind of behavior. But because it's not on the surface, sometimes I will try to ask somebody that and they'll be like, nope, I'm fine. I believe I deserve somebody great. Um, There's nothing underneath this. I'm just having to run a bad luck. Well, and that's that's actually probably what I would have said when I first started dating too. But the truth was that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't true. That wasn't true for me. That's not true for anybody. So- well, and no um, one really wants to come out and say that. Like, it seems so counterintuitive if somebody said to you, I mean, do you really think that you deserve to be treated that way? Mm-hmm. No one would say, yes, I do. Because they, you don't even want to say that. That's so uncomfortable. It's buried so deep right. that it's hard to, you can't even hear yourself admit it. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and it could be a different limiting belief too that, because um, sometimes it's not about deserving that you think that you, need to be treated in a negative way. I think even for myself more so the belief was around they're just what I what I want doesn't exist. Right. Like I better settle for less because oh. I'm not going to be able to get what I want and so I'll just take the sad thing that has shown up on my doorstep <laughs> here. <laughs> ah, exactly. Cuz that's all there is. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and you know, and then if we even want to go deeper with that, sometimes there is a reason why you think that's all there. What you're really saying is that's all there is for me. So what's underneath that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uncomfortable to look at some of that stuff. But I really invite my clients to start digging into what is that about for you? What do you believe that is creating the experience that you do not want to be having? Right. Because you believe something that yes. isn't in line with what you're trying. That's something, create. but it's in there. Yeah. But it's, it's, yes, it's there and affecting you. Is that where hypnotherapy comes in? Very handy, would you say? Yes. Hypnotherapy, there's something about the process of hypnosis that helps you get out of your analytical mind and really get honest. And I've had several clients in the chair saying like, wow, I can't even believe I said that because it helps you tap into that unconscious information that maybe you weren't even aware was influencing your behavior. So it can really help you identify those limiting beliefs if they aren't, if you're not consciously aware of them. And the other thing is, is not to shame yourself. You know, if we, we could have negative experiences, even with the most positive belief system, the key is that when you 
do have a positive belief system and a negative experience shows up, I mean, there's no guarantee you're never go head first into something that is all wrong for you because you're following the belief, oh God, nothing else is going to get here. Right. So that's the first step. Finding yes. out what, what the heck is in that closet. What exactly. Needs to go. And do you, I know you are a big kind of fan of journaling because that kind of helps get it out there. Yeah. The process of sitting down, not everyone likes journaling, but I find that the process of sitting down and writing down your thoughts helps you go deeper and find out more information about what, what is going on in your mind. So yeah. uh, what's her name? Julia Cameron, Cameron, the artist way. Yes. Yeah. She has a book called the artist way, which she talks about you when you're journaling, you sit down and you just write, you know, two or three pages of just pure garbage, just yep. all the random thoughts out. that are floating around. Yeah. And then once you get past that, there's stuff that will start to come up from underneath that, that is the real juicy, creative information <laughs> that you're looking for. Exactly. So I think that's the benefit of journaling is it helps you clear the clutter and get un- under what's underneath that. If you don't like journaling, you know, there are other ways to go about accessing that information. Like I already said, working with a hypnotherapist, any type yeah. of therapist, a coach, somebody who can help you peel the layers of what's yes. going on yeah, is really helpful. Um, and a really simple, well, difficult sometimes, but simple thing you can do is to think about what you want to create in your life and then actively practice focusing on that thing not on the opposite of it. So if I really want to manifest a great relationship into my life, I need to actively focus on great relationships. I need to focus every time I see somebody who's in a great relationship, I need to make note of it. I need to look for examples of it in the media, in my personal life. But the problem is if I just go back and go, I want a great relationship, but there's none available. And I have proof. I have all this proof as my friends, my family. Absolutely. Reality TV. There's all kinds of examples of where it's not working out for people. Yeah. But if you focus your attention there, if you actively focus your attention there, you're just guiding yourself in that direction. So it's really focusing on it and seeing it. This goes back to that whole, imagine your ideal life. So you're imagining. And I like that when you see a, a relationship that is good and positive, Make note of it and yeah. and and think about what what that couple is doing and what you admire about it and how you would like to see that in your own relationship. Yeah, and you can do that in any aspect, you know, of your life. If your clutters around money or your clutters around your ability to achieve things, you know, I've had some stress lately around money. I was we had a snowstorm here in Seattle. I didn't work for oh. a week, and then I had a surgery, and I was out for a couple of weeks, and I started to get into this old story about. Oh God, maybe that you know I haven't worked as much as normal. Maybe there's not going to be enough money. And then my mind wants to start thinking about oh, in the future when who knows what kind of crazy stories yes. come up. You just but start I snowballing. Been, yeah, <laughs> and you know something valid has happened. Like I wasn't working for a couple of weeks, and that is true. I made less money during that time. However, I am actively trying not to focus my attention there because I don't want that worry and that to expand and end up being what I bring into my life, which is a lack of money. So exactly. I'm just focusing on like this is a this is the money that I did make and I am grateful what's for show, what's shown up already. And there's, you know, I've been doing this for almost 10 years now and I'm still yeah. here. So that's going to keep, still keep <laughs> going. And, you know, so it doesn't have to be just relationships, but any part of your life that you find challenging, start focusing on the proof of that it's working out. Yes. 
on the positive instead of drawing the negative continually back to you. Yeah. And we don't have to be delusional. I mean, we could address real issues as they come up, but I'm not talking about real issues. A lot of times people will say, well, then I won't be prepared if something bad happens. Well, you're not really, usually when you're doing that, you're not focusing on an actual issue that is happening. You're creating a story of what could happen in the future. And that's not real either. Yeah. That's awesome. So it it does take, like you said, it's simple, but it takes practice and can be a little bit difficult because our, just like I have a hard time meditating because my mind starts to wander. So when I'm trying to actively think of these positive things, I do, that little voice starts creeping up. Well, what about this? Uh, what about that? You know, like, yeah. So it is simple. And those thoughts are there different. and they seem very real and, and scary. And, you know, a lot of times they they can be very true and valid. But you know, I was just ha- working with this, as you know, when I, I had a surgery a little while ago. And of course, you know, it's scary to have surgery. And so my mind goes, well, some people have died under anesthesia oh. before, <laughs> like going to these dark places. <laughs> and while that is an actual fact that some people have died yes. under anesthesia, it is not going to do me any good to no. focus my attention there. So I have to direct it back to, I have a healthy body. I have a great doctor, you yes. know, and while the information, because I think people get hung up on the idea that, but the information is true. What mm. I'm focusing on is negative, but it's true. Well, I, it doesn't, it's, you could focus there and it is true, but it's not going to create the result you want or it's the not, experience you want. You're going to no. be afraid all the time. Yeah. And you're going to, that anxiety is, is, uh, debilitating sometimes, I think. Yeah. 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 So becoming aware of your stuff, actively try, trying not to focus on it. And it's not an easy task sometimes. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff going on that it keeps reinforcing it to you, but being able to move your focus to what it is that you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that was so helpful to me in dating, and this is why I de- developed a group component to my dating coaching program is you need to find your people who will help you when you can't pull yourself out of your own funk, that they will be able to help you see things in a different way. In the richer love program, we call it the sasterhood. Yes. And that's your group of, of women who are going to be supportive and honest Mm -hmm. and real with you during your dating journey. Yeah. Um, But in this, it, it is so important to surround yourself with positive, not delusional, like you said, but positive people who believe in you, who are going to support you and who are your cheerleader, not going to bring you down. Yeah. And help you gain some perspective when you're maybe seeing the world from a really negative viewpoint. Yes. So especially in dating, it's easy because we're so excited to meet the right person. Mm-hmm. And then when maybe it's been a long time since we've actually connected with somebody that we really like. And then we yeah. see somebody who like sparks that feeling of chemistry. And now we feel like, oh, this is the one. And so when it doesn't work out, it feels like I have just lost everything. It's that was never, my, ever that was going my to one hope. That was it. That was the only one that for was me. It. Now it's over. Oh my God. And it really is helpful to have somebody else say that is that stupid phrase, but there's other fish in the sea is yeah. so true. There is, that just wasn't the right person for you. Right. And you, and maybe even point out the reasons why you could tell this wasn't the right person. I mean, and there's usually a lot of reasons why. And having a good sasterhood can give you some really great loving support and maybe give you some feedback about why, you know, the things that you were focusing on weren't necessarily the right things for you. I mean, I do believe this. If it is for you, it's going to work out. So you can't really miss the one 
my friend yes. Denise said that to me one time. You can't miss the one. You can't mess it up. And I thought, oh God, what do you know? You've been married for 25 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she was absolutely right. Yep. So, you know, if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, it wasn't for you. And it's usually because... I mean, usually when I'm working with women that it's not working out, it's because they're not connecting with the people that they, that meet their standards and expectations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're trying to hold on to something that is actually not even what they want. They're just projecting onto that person. So having somebody to kind of bring you back and say, you know, actually you were looking for somebody who was emotionally available and employed and, you know, ready for a relationship. And this person maybe didn't have some of those traits or the bare minimum, you were looking for someone who wants to be in a relationship with you. And this person does not have that for you. Yes. It's just hard for us to see that stuff. You know, it's that whole idea when I can give anybody advice on their own stuff and Mm -hmm. I'm so right. And I can see it so clearly like, Hey, this is, here's a way to do it. Oh, great idea. But on my own stuff, sometimes it's really hard to see it, it's hard to, is it because it's hard to disconnect or? Well, it's because you've got all that emotional clutter that's keeping you bogged down and believing old stuff or thinking, you know, there's something that is, it's hard to see, I think, because you're not really clear. And I think we're not clear when we're holding on to a lot of uh, negative emotional attachments from the past. I yeah. I got to a point in dating, I know, I know you did, I've worked with clients who've gotten to the same place and it's usually right when they meet somebody where you don't have those needy, that neediness or that rose colored glasses missing all, you know, this, that this person has nothing that you're looking for because you're feeling stable and healthy and clear. You've cleared out all that clutter. And so you're in a good space to know what it is that you really want. And then you move away from those behaviors on your own. You don't even need anyone to tell you, but until you get to that place, it is good to have a group who can help you out. (laughs) Absolutely. You have one other um, thing on your list is this idea of a a burning ceremony of some sorts. Can you t- kind of talk about that? What a burning ceremony is and how it helps people let go? I love having rituals in your life. I think rituals help create connection with other people or, or connection with yourself. And so a burning ceremony um, is just as, you can make it as simple or as complex as you would like to. Um, and we actually did this. You and I used to do this in, yes. in the backyard. We'd have uh, a glass of wine and write down the things that were no longer serving us, the negative experiences that we'd had dating. Um, and we just burned them in the fire pit and let them yeah. go. And that's just a symbolic uh, release of like a, really acknowledging that this is something that I don't want to hold on to anymore. And I think yeah. in doing that and having a ritual that goes with it, it, it helps it helps shift your energy. Absolutely. So you could do this just simply on your own. If you have a safe place to light something on fire, um, don't burn your house down at the front <laughs> Or anything, but you know, backyard with a unless fireplace. you want to let it go, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or a fireplace, if you want to yes. write down the things that aren't serving you, it just really is kind of claiming to the universe, I am done with this. I am releasing yeah. this. I'm letting it go. Well, I can't believe this, but we are almost out of time. So I know. I can't believe it. So before we go, one more time, how can listeners get in touch with you, Coach Laura Richer? So you can find me on Facebook at the Richer Love Dating Program. Um, I'm also at on Instagram at Richer underscore love. 
you can email me if you have a question at laura at richerlove.com. I offer a 30-minute complimentary consultation to all potential clients, either here in the Seattle area or if you'd like to do the Richer Love coaching program anywhere in the world. Um, And then if you want to hear our past episodes, if you've enjoyed listening to me and Andy today, you can hear all of our archive shows at lauraricherradio.com. Fantastic. This has been so, uh, I again, feel even more buoyant and free just talking about all the stuff I've been able to let go. And yes, it's so exciting. So happy spring, happy decluttering everyone and stay tuned for our episode next month. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to On The Verge Radio, using your breakdown for a breakthrough with Coach Laura Richer. We all have that moment in life when we are on the verge of big change. This time of transition is a wild and unknown place. How will you show up? Embrace the positive, drop the negative, and you can experience total transformation. Schedule a breakthrough session with Laura at seattlehealinghypnosis.com. Laura will help you discover the path to creating rapid and positive changes. Tune in every month for On The Verge Radio with Laura Richer.